Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Money Mentors Podcast. My name is Nathan Liren with my co-host Glenn Fairburn. Uh, Glenn and I are both uh, directors and advisors at Hewlson Private Wealth. Uh, Hewlson Private Wealth uh, is our sponsor of this podcast, so please do uh, check out uh, their website and, and look them up. Um, today, Glenn and I have a discussion around uh, trade wars. Obviously, um, there's a lot going on at the moment in terms of the US and China. Um, so we'll have a bit of a discussion about it, a bit of an explanation and a couple of, um, a couple of points to hopefully take away. Hopefully you enjoy the, the show. Welcome everyone to this week's episode of the Money Mentors podcast. One, I suppose, geopolitical event that's, that's playing out at the moment that's, that is having a bit of an impact, I suppose, day-to-day on the markets depending on, on what's happening. But um, that is the trade war that's underway at the moment between the US and China or it's been defined as a, as a trade war. Um, so what Nathan and I um, sort of wanted to have a bit of a chat about today was really just explaining what that trade war is I had a little bit of a discussion about trade in general, um, why um, Donald Trump has, I suppose, instigated this trade war and, and looked at imposing tariffs on, on Chinese imports, what the outcomes might be, and, and also, I suppose, for everyday investors, what that might mean for um, their investments. I suppose just to go back a step before we have a bit of a discussion about this particular uh, trade, so-called trade war between the U.S. and China. I suppose it's just important to understand a little bit of history with rega- with regards to trade um, and and the benefits of trade globally. So I suppose Nathan, it would be fair to say that global trade has been beneficial for the world economy um, in that you know the the free flow of goods between countries and and I suppose breaking down the barriers of trade has enabled countries to trade more freely and arguably enable, I suppose, third world countries to to grow and, and improve their standard of living. Would that be fair to say over the last, I suppose, 20 years or so? Yeah, definitely, Glenn. I think uh, since the early 1980s really is when the world opened up or glo- the, the term globalization really opened up the world and, and that definitely included, yeah, the movement of, of goods all throughout the world, um, removing barriers. And, and yeah, I think one could definitely argue that that's... Uh, Made made the world a much more prosperous place, and, and also I suppose from a um, from a security perspective, you know, the argument is that if you've got multiple countries trading amongst each other and are relying on each other for trade, for employment, for investment opportunities, then arguably that can lead to less conflict um, from a military perspective because you know you're, you're unlikely to to create sort of military conflict with perhaps a country that you've got. A fair bit of trade with, so that, that's one thing that I've um, heard and, and read about, you know, as, as, as to a potential benefit of trade. But I think, as you were saying, one of the major ones is just the ability for countries to trade um, with multiple partners and, and hopefully then um, improve the standard of living across the world. Well, well trade is a, a generally a win-win. The both parties win by trading. That's right. Yeah. So by not you know, by not, we'll talk about this in detail as we go on in this podcast, but by not trading, there can be, or, or tariffs or whatever, there can be, there can be winners and losers. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, we spoke about globalization has definitely opened up trade over the past 30 years or whatever, but uh, I, yeah, there has been, this is one example, but there has been certain events in the last, 
I don't know, five, ten years, whatever you want to call it, where there has been a, a reversal, you know, yeah. the whole protectionism uh, concept which is coming into the into the world. So yep. I'm sure we'll delve into that a little bit deeper as we go. We've spoken about the benefits of trade. Can you think of what disadvantages of, of I suppose, as you were saying, globalization? I mean, I think the first thing that comes to mind for me when we talk about globalization is that people, I suppose, in, in local economies... Um, criticise the fact that if we look at Australia, for example, the one disadvantage of of globalisation is that when you're competing with other countries that perhaps have um, advantages in different areas, it can make you less competitive. So if you look at Australia, our manufacturing um, industry is, is largely gone, whether that's auto- automobiles, um, a number of other industries, you know, textiles, industries like that where because of our size, because of the, you know, the population that we have it's, and our labor costs are quite high, it is very hard for us to compete in those sorts of industries. So for a lot of you know, um, workers that are trained in those sorts of industries, blue-collar workers, there, there is some criticism, isn't there, when it comes to globalization um, with, with those sorts of issues you know, in industries that um, uh, can't, just can't compete with, with low labor costs, whether it's out of China or India. Yeah, and th- that's definitely the same same thing. What's going on with the US? With um, obviously a lot of their manufacturing businesses um, being unable to compete with uh, whether it's you know China, Mexico, whatever it might be. Um, it's it's a pretty complex field though, and I mean we we don't propose to be experts in trade by any stretch of the imagination. But um, I mean obviously in Australia's case, we've we've adapted to become more of a a service orientated. Um, you know, industry. So whether it's financial yeah, services or yeah. uh, whether or not that's a, you know, that's a, a bad thing or a good thing, it's it's kind of hard to answer. I probably don't have the answer to be honest. But well, yeah, I mean, I suppose when you're looking at dealing with globalization, you, you, there's really two options, isn't there? One is that you try and stick to industries that you can't compete on a global scale with, and in the short term, the imp- implications may not be that great, but perhaps longer term. There are some massive structural implications, aren't there? Because people speak with their with their wallets, don't they? I mean, if they can buy a cheap imported good at a fraction of the price as maybe a, a locally produced good, yes, people I suppose like buying the old Australian made. There, there's a bit of loyalty with those sorts of things, but ultimately, most people, perhaps, if you're comparing like for like, are looking at the price of something, aren't they? And it's very difficult in those areas, in those industries in particular, to compete. Um, and same with companies as well. Like if, if Apple can make the iPhone for a fraction of the cost in China yeah. um, rather than do it in, in, in America, well, they're going to do that as well. And I think that's where a lot of people perhaps don't understand that is it's all good and well to say, well, why are we manufacturing in China and India? But, you know, I mean, I'm not sure on the actual figures, but I remember hearing some time ago that if, this, if the Apple phone was manufactured in, in, um, in America, it would be, you know, three times the cost of what it is um, at the moment, but just before we get into the um, the trade issues that are, that are occurring with the US and China at the moment, um, I thought we'd just have a quick chat about what policies governments can implement to, I suppose, protect local industries. Um, and I suppose that the number one thing really is tariffs, um, and, and that that particular term has, I suppose, come up quite a bit um, with these ongoing discussions you know, out of the Trump administration and between the US and China. I mean, simplistically, a tariff is really just a tax that you apply to imports, isn't it? So if, for example, if we're looking at um, Australia um, and, and the government feels as though there's certain industries that, that they want to protect, whether that's 
uh, motor vehicle manufacturing, whatever it may be, what they can do in order to make their local um, industries more competitive is impose tariffs on imports, um, which effectively makes those imported goods more expensive and then arguably makes it more competitive for locally produced um, goods and services. Um, and I suppose that then leads into what's happening at the moment between the US and China. Um, when I suppose when Trump was campaigning, one of his, um, you know, I suppose fertile grounds was really that what they call the Rust Belt, wasn't it? Like areas that um, traditionally have relied on more, I suppose, blue collar, more manufacturing, agriculture, um, because his argument was that those people had really been let down by previous administrations in that they really did nothing to um, protect their jobs. So part of his policy was to um, look at the massive trade deficit that the US had with China um, and effectively try and bring, you know, I think his quote was bring the jobs back to America. Um, so if you look at trade between the US and China at the moment, um, I mean, China exports a lot more to the US than what it imports. So basically, um, in, in 2017, the US imported $504 billion worth of goods from China, while China only imported $130 billion. Yeah. So basically, the US is importing more than what it's exporting, mm-hmm. and that's where you create a trade deficit. So yeah. a trade deficit is effectively where you're um, importing more than what you're exporting. So you're basically, you're not running a loss, but that's probably a, 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 an easy way to look at it. With, with that particular country. But obviously, that, there's, yeah. there's other countries where it may be exactly. the other way around. And look, yeah. arguably, most countries are running at a trade deficit with China because they're yes. so big and, right. and um, they're, they're an export-driven economy. Um, so, so I suppose that's where um, Donald Trump has, has issues with because he sees this massive deficit um, and he also has made a number of comments ar- around China taking advantage of the free trade agreements. So at, at the moment, um, I suppose, that, as you were saying, Nathan, with the introduction of the World Trade Organization, I mean, largely tariffs aren't as um, prevalent as what they were perhaps in the 80s and the 70s. Um, so most countries now with their trade have what's called a free trade agreement mm. and effectively what that means is that there's no restrictions and there's no tariffs imposed. So it's, yep. there's basically um, no, no incentives for local um, producers and, it, and it's almost like an equal playing field. Um, but what Donald Trump's argument has been with China is that the Chinese government doesn't impose tariffs but they do provide, um, I suppose, incentives um, and concessions to their local producers that, that effectively make them more competitive on a global scale. So it's almost like a little bit of a, a, uh, a backdoor approach to how, how they can help their local companies compete on a global scale. Um, and I think as you were saying before we um, started the podcast, there's also been a number of discussions around how, tri- how China um, you know, deals with foreign companies doing business in mm. China. Did you want to just... Sort yeah. of briefly explain that. Yeah, so the whole, I mean, from my reading, this has kind of always been the whole catalyst for the for the trade wars, but the whole thing around intellectual property where um, I guess the US in particular, Trump feels that they're being exploited by by China. And just one example um, to, or to explain it is that um, obviously the Chinese market is such a big market and companies, US companies or companies all around the world for that matter are looking at it as, as such a big opportunity so they want to do business there so china knows this so china basically 
um, for companies to set up in China to take advantage of those opportunities, China basically make or, or China takes a controlling interest in in that in that operation in that in China. So, for example, they'll take like a fifty one percent stake in the in the operation in China. So, by doing that, they they gain full access to all the um, you know the intellectual property um, that that company may have developed over the years. And so, for example, um, I was just I was, I was listening to something earlier where um, they were talking about let's say a business started. 100 years ago and over that 100 years like let's say a Japanese business started 100 years ago they've built up all this intellectual property into um, whatever the product is that they design or, or manufacture all of a sudden they want to go into the Chinese market and then China takes a, a, a 51% stake in that in that in that business over there um, and they, they've got access to everything now so you know China can basically then go and maybe replicate and, and this might be a slow burn like but over in 10, 20, 30 years, they might be able to create their own businesses by, by taking advantage of this IP. Yeah, and that's part of their longer-term plan, isn't it? To have, I suppose, that made-in-China um, yeah. you know, philosophy yeah. where they're, instead of exporting lower-cost-type goods as they have traditionally been known, you know, like textiles and things like that, they're really moving into more advanced-type machinery and things like that, more high-value-type goods. And, and I suppose that they're in... Um, lies the fact that we've entered, you know, all these, well, the so-called trade war and how it started. So initially, to kick things off, um, Trump announced that he would be, um, I suppose, applying tariffs to thirty-four billion dollars worth of of Chinese goods, and that that was largely still in um, a, still in aluminium, really, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, but but also other, I suppose, more um, high. Um, value type goods like flat screen TVs, aircraft parts, medical devices, all these sorts of things. And obviously, um, China basically immediately um, replied and imposed the same level of tariffs on the same dollar value of imports. But interestingly enough, the the goods that um, that China was basically targeting was things like soy, um, soybeans, you know, m- mainly agricultural type goods which is basically the heartland of donald trump um yeah. so it was just interesting how they're, they're playing that that political card um and yeah, then because obviously the u.s soybeans for example the 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 u.s market relies strongly on china buying buying those products so um yeah it's definitely a, a game that they're playing isn't it tit for tat almost well it is and it, it's just continued on i mean then as, as soon as china um you know retaliated with 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 those tariffs on 34 billion Donald Trump came out and said that now he's going to apply, you know, tariffs on 150 billion. And I suppose just people are asking, oh, who's going to win the trade war? Um, and if you looked at things fairly simplistically, then really the US probably has more levers because it's it's importing more from China than what it's exporting. So China's because China's imports from the US are lower than what the US is importing um, from China. There's only so much that Ch- China can apply tariffs on whereas the u.s has a lot more imports that it can apply tariffs on it's just a matter of what are the longer term implications of this if it continues at the moment you know the U- the u.s allies like australia the uk have been exempt from a lot of these tariffs i know initially when the u.s applied tariffs on thing was steel, steel and, and aluminium and aluminium um there was a lot of discussion in australia as to how that would because imp- i don't think it was necessarily just related to china it was just a an overall yeah. blanket thing and obviously, we we don't import, don't export a lot of those um, materials to the US. But there was concern as to how it would impact um, other allies, and I think the US sort of came out and, 
and exempted a lot of their their allies. But it, it is still ongoing. Um, and I suppose as to how that impacts markets, um, it, it's sort of been a bit up and down, hasn't it, for the for the short period of time as, as this is sort of ongo- ongoing where there's just a, lo- a lot of uncertainty at the moment, isn't there? I think in terms of um, how tariffs impact... I think there's been a lot of there has been study many many studies done on how how tariffs impact uh, I guess the economy in general and the studies show that it is not good at all. So basically, it leads to to lower productivity and higher prices, and, and that that generally doesn't help help an economy at all. So um, yeah, I, I think I mean I, I guess personally I'm you know I fear for you know if these if this does you know, blow out into a, a full-blown uh, trade war. Like I, I worry it is going to impact uh, global GDP, global productivity. Um, I mean, as for the, 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 the impact on markets or portfolios, I think it's fair to say that there hasn't been a probably a huge impact on portfolios or, or you know, share, the share market, for example, has there? Not, not really. I mean, I think the US market's probably picked up because maybe the initial thoughts are that, you know, if, if there's tariffs being applied to... Um, you know, to Chinese imports, then maybe it does make the US companies more more competitive and therefore could potentially increase their revenue. So there's probably short-term benefits. But as you were saying, I think the concern is that if this con- this tit-for-tat continues, um, that, that this can't be good for, for global trade. And therefore, you know, the, the, the global economy, although it's been performing quite strongly, is still pretty brittle, isn't it? Like it's, mm. it's, it's only just coming out of, you know, a pretty dire... Um, situation in the last sort of mm. ten years or so. I think there's there's no winners with 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 um with tariffs, and that's my understanding from what I've you know read and studies com- conducted over the years. And I, I, but I think it got to a stage where where the US or Trump in particular is like, we're, yeah, we we've got to take take action now. Yeah. Like we're being exploited. I'm not saying this is necessarily right, but this is what they're saying. We're being exploited here. Mm. Yeah, we've been letting this go on for for years and years now. If we don't take action, it's going to get worse and worse. So yeah, that's right. I guess they feel like they're being put in a corner, and um and and China being China, they consider themselves quite a powerful <laughs> player in the world. They're like, well, you know, all right, let's play then. If you, we're going to we're going we're gonna to go with you tit for tat. So yeah. it's hard to know how it'll play out. Really, as I was saying though, I mean, I think. Um, if you just looked at it purely on the power of trade, then you could probably argue that the ball's in the U.S.'s court because they're importing. I mean, the, the Chinese economy is an export-driven economy, isn't it? So the, they export a lot more. The concern is one thing we haven't spoken about is that it's not just China that's Im- impacted by um, tariffs on their exports to the U.S. because they they import a lot of products into their country. Like for example, if we're exporting steel to the to the china who's using that steel to manufacture products that they're then exporting to the u.s there are flow-through effects because countries that are you know are that the, the china's importing from they're using those goods and services as inputs to products that they're then on selling to the u.s so it's not which just become more expensive yeah, yeah. which become yeah. more expensive so if those goods become more expensive there are flow th- through effects where if China is not manufacturing or is manufacturing less of those particular goods, then they're going to be importing less from you know other countries, whether it's through Asia, Africa, or Australia. So they're, they're the flow-on effects. It's not just, oh, this is just happening between US and China. Let's not worry about it. Because the Chinese, I mean, the China is Australia's largest trade partner mm-hmm. or one of Australia's largest trade partners. So if there are a number of goods 
um, that they're using from Australia as inputs to export to the US, that's where we may be impacted. From what I've read, I don't think it's it's significant, um, but that's where the flow and effects to other parts of the world can affect growth. So I think the bottom line is it's not great for anyone. Um, there's probably a little bit of political um, standing at the moment. You know, the, obviously the whether this is just all part of the negotiation, you know, that's probably been one of Trump's tactics throughout his history is, is, is have the, the goalposts fairly, you know, go, go with your best sort of offer with the understanding that you have to negotiate backwards. So you, mm. you, it's interesting to see how all that plays out. Um, but I suppose just having a discussion about markets, as we've said many times over the last sort of year that we've been running the podcast, there's always going to be something, isn't there? There's always going to be a geopolitical event it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the impact of a potential war in North Korea. And we all know how that played yeah, out. Yeah, Brexit, Trump, Trump's election, all these things which uh, at the time were thought or, or believed could have a big, big impact on markets which haven't really played out. So, I mean, maybe this could be another example of that. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose that, that's where our advice always is. It's a not, not panic with things like this. I mean, it's, it's important to understand the implications of it. Um, and put appropriate measures in place within your portfolios to always look at risk management and capital um, mm. protection because we've probably had a number of discussions with our clients recently that when you're putting together portfolios, it's not always about you know getting the best possible return. I mean, that, that should be a, a motivation to get good returns from your portfolio. But you all also need to look at the what-if scenario, don't you? Because arguably, if the share market's doing well, which it has been in the last sort of year or so, then yeah, you want more of your portfolio invested in shares. But you also need to look at the implications of that if there is a downturn. Um, and we're not saying that this would have no impact but because it, it could have an impact short term. We always have confidence longer term but sometimes those short term market downturns can be very hurtful, can't they? If your portfolio doesn't have the right sort of capital protection in place and you have to sell assets at a bad time. So this is, although we're saying don't worry about it longer term, there are there is always the potential that it could result in a downturn in the short term which if you don't have the right sort of um, protection in place within your portfolio, then it can impact it, you can't it? Yeah. Look, there's always going to be geo- geopolitical events going on throughout, go back throughout hundreds of years. There's always something. This is another example of it. Um, any good portfolio should have, um, you know, we think, adequate to diversification to protect against various scenarios, such as if this trade war does play out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I'd caution people to kind of jump at it and, you know, sell out being fearful that yeah, that'd be silly. Yeah. fearful that the that's gonna blow out into a full blown trade war and then maybe it doesn't play out and markets keep running. So just diversification I think is the key there. Yeah, because I just mm. on that very quickly, you know, it's all good and well to sell, but then when do you buy back? <laughs> like mm. you know, most often people sell because they think, oh the market's going down and they tend to buy back when the market's already recovered. So I think, you know, th- there's there's never any great value in that. Um was there anything else, Nathan, that you wanted to add? To the discussion, no, or I think I think I feel like we've covered most of the yeah. points we wanted to cover today. So look, hopefully that's sort of given everyone uh, a brief understanding as to what, what's playing out. It is it is a fairly hot topic at the moment, um, and, and I suppose this is one of the motivations behind our podcast is really just to give you, um, I suppose, a bit of base knowledge. So when you're reading the news, you can understand what's happening, why it's happening, and what the implications might be. I, I might just mention just as a as a somewhat of a student of history, I like looking back at, um, I guess you know conflicts that have happened over the years gone by and just i was i was reading something earlier that was talking about how um effectively the um you know, global conflicts can be <laughs> started over yeah. over trade disputes and 
Um, one example that was spoken about was um, basically the the World War Two or Germany, I guess, mm-hmm. World War One and Two, I guess, with um with Germany because the the UK um, basically um, you know they 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 were I guess a leader in terms of industrial uh, industrialization and and then um you know their interactions with Germany, I guess they had certain conflicts that's that, that were, were born out of that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that I <laughs> think or hope there's going to be a you know, global conflict between the, the US and China, but um, I guess, yeah, you never know, do you? And you just hope that no. um, these uh, things can sort themselves out. And at the end of the day, the, the U, uh, China, sorry, is a, um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because China, it's a, it's, it's a, has been, you know, a communist nation, but it's, kind of got a capitalist element to it yeah it's sort of slowly slowly implementing you know these policies and changes but you know they're moving slowly but i think the well the u.s is becoming impatient with how slow they're moving i suppose Mm. Um, but and you look just on the conflict that sort of leads on to or adds to what i was saying earlier that you know history has shown well more recent history has shown that globalization free trade has arguably le- led to less conflicts. Yes, definitely. Because, as I was saying, you're, yeah. you're more reliant on your trade partners. So, do you really want to go to war mm. with countries that perhaps are buying your goods? Um, so, look, on that note, hope everyone's enjoyed it. I'm always interested in your feedback. Um, and, and if there's any other queries, you can always email us on our on our email address, which is moneymentors at hewison.com.au. Um, on that note, we'll look forward to speaking to you all again next week. Thanks everybody for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook. LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, Thanks again. We'll see you next week.